Welcome back, dummies. We're glad that you're here for part two of Dr. Veith's discussion on the theology of the cross and theology of glory and the overall topic of the offense of the cross. We left off last week with uh, Dr. Veith answering the question, you know, the difference between theology of glory and theology of cross. And let's get back to it and hear his answer. Well, it, it is, and it's that's what a lot of Christians expect. And, and the problem is the theology of glory isn't true, isn't right. Luther says in the uh, in the um, Heidelberg Disputation uh, that the, uh, theology of the cross tells things the way it really is. And so the theology of glory, we expect power. We expect solutions. We expect everything to go right for it, but it, it doesn't. And this COVID um, pandemic, it shows us how helpless we are in so many ways. And it shows that even our great experts and our government leaders and the scientists, and they keep getting it wrong. And uh, we're just not used to any of that. We're used to being in complete control of our own lives, and now you know we're not even allowed to go outside of our house for a while. And it's 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 shaking us. It's it's our our morale and our thought is it's 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 a crisis. I think to to uh, to us spiritually, and and you know rightly so. But when you look at it in terms of a theology of glory, you know, nothing's coming out right. And a theology of the cross, I think, can help us in a very realistic way bear our problems and you know still battle the the the, the evils and the and, and resist the, the things that need to be resisted. But it gives us a perspective that I think is really ultimately very, very liberating. So um, I, I guess, yes, it's liberating to us because we're set free from having to find the answers for things when they don't go well, right? We can just say that's mm -hmm. the theology of the cross tells me this life will have suffering in it, so I don't have to look for answers, whereas people whose faith is founded in the theology of glory have to try to make sense of evil in the world, Um things that don't yeah. go right in their lives. They bought the blue car instead of the red car, and the blue car is breaking down. So, you know, did they do something wrong? Is I mean, I guess, so, yeah, yeah go ahead. I think that's, that's, that's a big part of it. But the other part of it is that Christ is really with us in our difficult times, and, and, and that, that is where faith grows. It's another aspect. The cross is about faith. The glory is about sight. The, the theology of glory, I have to see it all. I have to understand it all. I have to be, it has to be perfectly clear. Whereas the theology of the cross is about depending on Christ. When, when we can't do it, he can. And, and, and then by faith, that's where we're tied to Christ and connected to him and to the cross, and he's connected to us. 
And so he's offering something very real. It isn't just not understanding, and we're okay with that, but, but he's actually helping us. He's actually there with us in it all, and we're growing closer to him all the time. Uh, whereas the theology of glory, we don't really need him, or, or people think they don't need him. And I've heard people talking that way, too. I'm doing fine by myself. I don't need Christ. Well, <laughs> we still— <laughs> We do. I, I, one person who uh, he told me that was a friend I went into the school with, and he was an alcoholic, and he was down, and he was asked, begging me for, for money so he could buy a drink, and, and he was his life was at an end, and uh, seemingly, and I was trying to talk to him, trying to help him, trying to get through to him, and I talked to him about 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 Christ, and uh, and and he said that he said I don't need anybody, <laughs> I don't need anybody. I don't need Jesus. Well, well, Doctor Vieth, for for a non-believer, maybe. So how do you how do you reconcile a loving God who allows suffering? I mean, how how do you? What's the best way to explain that, or do you even try to explain it at all? Well, you explain it with the cross. Luther said something uh, very striking in his commentary on the Galatians. He said that we often try to think of God apart from Christ, and so we speculate and we try to figure things out and. But that's people. We, we cannot understand God apart from Christ. And so, you know, the typical answer is, well, God allows for evil. God is just. God is. We talk about him as if he's abstract. We talk about God as if he's way above the cloud looking down. And that's deism. That's not Christianity. But this deist God, God of the philosophers, uh, some, some call him. That's something else. This is a God who became flesh for us, and he went to the cross for us. Now, if you only think of the problem of evil in terms of an abstract theistic God, yeah, there is a problem with it. But when you think of God, when you think of evil as, as coming into it, coming into the muck, coming into the suffering, suffering and bleeding by put to death by by excruciating torture. But not only that, it's not just the physical death that he experienced, which is bad enough, by torture uh, on the cross, the most horrific and shameful way to die in the Roman Empire, but compounding that, that he took as it says in Isaiah 53, the griefs, the sorrows, and the afflictions of the world. Okay, that's that addresses the problem of suffering in a very different way. And, and the problem of evil, it's related, why is there evil? But God took that into himself. That's what it means to bore the sins of the world. Now, that situates God in a different way, in a different place. It's God who is on our side, God who's for us, who dies 
and has done to the cross for us on our behalf. That's a different way of thinking about God in the way that you begin to know God's love for us, and it becomes easier to love a God like that than to love the God of the deist, the God of far beyond, far above and beyond the detached God looking down on us. It's hard to love a God like that. It's hard for that God to love us. But the God that's revealed in the cross, you have to think about it in a completely different way. And, you know, the atheists may say, well, I don't believe that, or, or that's too good to be true. Uh, or, well, or, or that doesn't really solve it still. Why does he have to, do, I mean, Okay, but, but you have to think about God in a different way when you realize that he went to the cross for you. And, and even if you still are, are rejecting that, you're, 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 you're at least, again, the theology of the cross tells the thing as it is. At least that clarifies the issue, and it makes it a different issue than, than the way people usually think about it. Well, Dr. And in a way that's also proclaiming the gospel to them, in a way that the Holy Spirit might use to get through to them. So, Dr. Veith, so why is it? Why is there a movement among academics or intellectuals to just say that Christ was not sacrificed for our sins at all? What is what's the benefit of trying to promote or prove that? Well, again, I think the natural religion is a religion of glory and and a religion of moralism, that we save ourselves. And a lot of theologians today are really interested in social justice issues, in feminist issues, in uh, uh, progressive politics, and and are doing a lot to try to get the church not even to concentrate on traditional morality, sexual morality and the like, but to get them to think about morality in the social justice realm. It's a different kind of, of, of law, uh, but it's still a law-oriented religion with no gospel and no forgiveness. Um, and so I think that's a part of it that explains some things recently. But even the, the, the more conservatives, they want to turn Christianity into a religion about sexual morality. <laughs> Both sides do. They're, 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 they're advocating different kinds of morality. They're all thinking in terms of law and improving society and uh, feeling good about yourself and, and on and on. Uh, I mean, a large part, I think, is this whole cult of the self that's become central everywhere in, 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 in among secularists and even among Christians, that's one thing they have in common that's focus on the self and that the self constructs its own reality and the self constructs its own morality and on and on and on. Uh, but even Christians, they become very self oriented and they look at even Christianity as a way to solve their problems, their psychological problems or their personal problems. And that fixation on the self, uh, even Christian marriage books talk about self-fulfillment and self-aggrandizement. Uh, uh, even non-Lutheran books about 
vocation. They're talking about fulfillment of the self in your work and in your relationships. Uh, uh, again, Jesus talks about this. Uh, you know, he who would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, that the Christian ethic, Jesus ethic, the one not of self fulfillment, but of self denial. And the image of that is, the, is taking up our cross. Now, a lot of people take that and say, oh, well, okay, we have to suffer because the cross is suffering. Yeah, it, it, it is, and that's part of it. But the cross is an implement of sacrifice. And, and sacrifice, in Luther's understanding of vocation, is that this is how we love and serve our neighbor. And the inner vocations in the family, and marriage, and parenthood, at work, in our citizenship, in the church, it's not about self It's about loving and serving your neighbor. We love God, not because we first loved him, but because he loved, first loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. Okay, that's the cross again. So and he sends us into vocation, which is a realm of sacrificing ourselves in a far fainter way, but sacrificing ourselves for the neighbor that we meet in our vocation. And when we do that, Jesus goes on in that text to talk about he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life will find it. That ironically, that way of sacrificing for someone else, that's what love is, putting another person ahead of yourself. And there's such satisfaction, such joy in that. But Whenever we just focus on ourselves, even in our calling, in our marriage, in our work, whatever, that's a dead end. But when we learn to deny ourselves for Christ, take up our cross, that's the way, ironically, for real fulfillment and joy and, and meaning. So in other words, if we, we, we have a church that's not centered around the cross— not centered around the work of Christ on the cross, then we almost don't have a church at all. Well, that's really true. That's true. You know, uh, Luther said the article of justification by faith is the uh, is the teaching. The article of justification is the article upon which the church stands or falls. And justification—that's a good Lutheran word. Mm-hmm. Talking about the cross on the cross. We were justified. We were made righteous. God justified us. We were proclaimed righteous. Uh, and so we're justification is what Christ did on the cross, and our faith is what connects us to that to that cross in our in our trust and dependence upon what Christ has done for us. So justification is the article on which the church stands default. And it's occurred to me that right now the church is falling. And I think the reason the church is falling is because it's gotten away from justification, gotten away from the cross. And so uh, as long as it gets fixated on these other things, whether it's prosperity or social justice or uh, sheer stodgy conservatism, (laughs) liberalism or whatever it is, it's gonna, the church is falling. 
and I think that's the the real reason for secularization is, is because so many churches have have gone that direction and you're reaping the consequences because you don't really need Christ if if you're interested in these other things and um, when you turn away from the cross you no longer have the gospel all you have is the law you don't even have the the law in its purity and so people are making up their own laws and yes if Christ doesn't justify people try to justify themselves by saying how good they are mm. And even when they're sinners, the, the preoccupation is saying, I'm not really a sinner, and, and, and throwing out traditional moralities, coming up with new moralities that make them not a sinner. But just denying it doesn't change the reality. Only the cross uh, can make that difference. So, Dr. Veith, this time has just flown by. I mean, I can't believe we're reaching the end. But here's what I'd like you to do. Imagine that there's a whole room full or world full of pastors uh, and church people who are listening to you. In, in reality, it's my mom and a couple of our friends, but let's pretend. <laughs> what would you say to them? So let's say you're forming pastors, because you did that at Concordia. You were forming us as we were, uh, and I wasn't going to be a pastor then, but I became one later after teaching English for 10 years. But you were already forming us then. What would you say to these young pastors, these old pastors, as we sit here talking about the church falling because we've gotten away, in a few sentences, what would your encouragement be to them? Well, in the cross, our strength is lost and what we find is, is weakness and when people are facing up to the problems they have and the problems of communicating the gospel in this world and people just don't believe it or don't that's a confession of, of weakness and ironically that's what we need to face up to in the theology of the cross uh, uh, St. Paul talks about uh, he glories in his, in his weakness because his because the power of God manifests to him when in his in his weakness, and when when he's weak, then he is strong. So I would say uh, that face up to your weaknesses and to the hard hard things you're going through, and that's the beginning of recovering the power of God. Uh, and so. Ironically, the what to the world may seem like the bad times is often the good times in Christianity. Uh, in times of cultural hostility, that's when the church is always purified and and and, and most effective. And even when it grows the most, it's when the church is powerful and successful and winning. It seems like that's when it tends to become corrupt and unfaithful. And its real power is is diminished. So I would encourage them to embrace the, the theology of the cross, the spirituality of the cross. Uh, that it's not about power. We're not going to have that in this age. 
it's not going to be about politics. The church isn't going to have much say about that, unfortunately, sometimes. Uh, it's not about success or prosperity. It's about Christ crucified for sinners. And when we realize that we're sinners and we're failures in so many ways, and 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 then know that Christ is is with us. That's where the power of God is. Again, as Saint Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, and I would encourage them to preach Christ crucified. Yes, it's Amen. a stumbling block. Yes, it's it's folly to to a lot of people, but to those who are called, pastors have been called to this work. Uh, Calling means vocation. So in the Christians who know that they've been called in whatever sphere of life they are, um, it's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. If you want God's power, God's wisdom, go to the cross. Well said. Well, thank you, Dr. Veith. And, and again, I would say we have an opportunity right now in the world that we're living in to really fully embrace the message of the cross and to share it with those who are hurting. And I just want to thank you for sharing that message with us today. Um, when I say he wrote the book, I really mean Dr. Veith is the one who wrote, wrote the book, and I'm talking about Spirituality of the Cross. Uh, it's the book at the seminary. It's the book on my shelf, and I would encourage you, if you don't have it, uh, go to Amazon and purchase it. It's well worth the read. And I promise you, if you read it once, you'll read it two or three other times as well. And so, Dr. Veith, just thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule uh, to be with us today. We were truly blessed by your time, and we pray that you'll have many opportunities to continue to write for us and to continue to teach us and to form us in the way of the cross. Uh, and to all our dummies, thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.